Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I'm so happy to be here today with my guest in studio. I want to introduce him first, and that is Rule Haymond. Welcome, Rule. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to have you with me. Rule is a teacher in the broadest sense of that definition. I've heard Rule teach before. I've heard people comment about rules teaching. He does this in a number of different settings, and uh, probably the most obvious of those is your position with American Heritage School, right? which is in American Fork, Utah, and you're teaching kids. I am. In I that am. school. Eighth, ninth, and tenth graders. Eighth, ninth, and tenth. Great bunch of kids, I'm oh, sure. They're, they're very impressive. And the other uh, places where I've seen you teach in front of groups right. or with... Uh, People who are interested in or passionate about things like American heritage, right. the founding fathers, the Constitution, the government. Right. And these are areas of emphasis for you as well. In fact, you're, you're right now enrolled in a Ph.D. program. I am. In constitutional law, is it? It is, yes. At George Wythe University. Mm-hmm. Down in Cedar City and Monticello, Utah. So, why on earth did you come to Live on Purpose Radio today? Why on earth to <laughs> talk about good government, to talk about principles, to be inspired by Dr. Paul? You know, this is a great time to talk about this, too. Right now, we are approaching very quickly the 2008 general election. We are. In which uh, we're looking at electing a new president this year. Yes, we are. And and more than any other time, I think this gets people's interest up. Uh, sometimes people become a little apathetic about the elections, but typically during a presidential election, people turn out. Right. They were talking back on the radio this morning, mentioning that they're having 400 people. You know, I don't know if it's a day or a week. It's it's increasing daily, the number of registered voters just here in the state of Utah. People registering. Registering so they can be a part of this, yeah. And, and what other more fundamental part of being involved in government is there? Right, exactly. Than participating in the vote. Now, there's a lot of other ways to participate. Right. I would like to just kind of kick off our discussion today by having you maybe give us an introduction to the role of government. Right. Why, why do we form these anyway? What's their purpose? You've got a whole way that you conceptualize that and bring it to, uh, to people. Sure. Um, that is a big, probably one of the greatest questions in all of all of history. In the span, the, the spanning of time is what is the role of government? How much government is enough? How much government is too much? And uh, mm-hmm. historically, we fluctuated between the I think the extremes of of zero law, which is anarchy, to one hundred percent law, which is totalitarianism or despotism or dictatorship, tyranny of some mm-hmm. sort. Um, the founders, their hope was somewhere halfway in, in the middle between anarchy and uh, totalitarianism where it would be called people's law uh, 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 where government actually serves its specific limited purposes um, but going back to even can you, even earlier when you look at John Locke and his his writings from the second treatise of of government he talks about how human beings they enter a state of, they enter from a state of nature into civil society uh, Mainly for the protection of property, and if you can imagine yourself, uh, let's look, look, let's go back in time to uh, late 1800s in Wyoming, and we're all homesteaders. And you have you, uh, Dr. Paul has his farm with his wife and children, and I have my mm-hmm. farm with my wife and children, and 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 so forth. We he specializes in cattle. I have horses. 
life is going well. We have our own little kingdoms. We're governing ourselves. And no sheriff, no government. No, the closest town is hundred mi- hundred, hundreds of miles away. Mm-hmm. But then one day, property starts to disappear. A chicken here, a horse there, uh, a cow here. And pretty soon we're concerned that uh, while we're out in the fields working hard, somebody is is taking advantage of us not being there. And so Pilfering all the stuff. Pilfering all the stuff. So you have to look for... That's when you ultimately you start government. You hire a sheriff. You bring in someone who can watch over your property, and uh, and and nothing else. You're delegating a portion of your authority. You're not giving it to them. You're delegating a portion of that authority. And Which uh, that's a very important and crucial point. I think it is. I don't have, I don't have the authority to come and pill for your chickens, right? But I do have the authority to stop you. From taking money. Exactly. You know, when you think of natural law, and natural law is, uh, like Jefferson mentions in the Declaration of Independence, that the laws of nature or nature's God, natural law or God's mm-hmm. law or uh, constitutional law, natural law says that I have the right to protect my person, to protect my property, to protect my conscience, and I have the right to use force to, pr- to protect all three of those things. Now, you say natural law. Mm-hmm. And, and I do recall that phrase from the Declaration of Independence where right. Thomas Jefferson said, nature's law. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what you're saying is this isn't something the government grants us. No, heavens no. It's something that predates any government. Exactly. Ultimately, with each individual, again, go back to the state of nature. You are in a state of nature with your wife and children. You have the right to use force to protect your life, your liberty, your pursuit of happiness, uh, if, as long as it's, a, it's a, in accordance with natural law, your conscience, your right to, right to believe as you wish. And ultimately, when we leave that state of nature and enter into civil society, creating a government, starting with a sheriff, and then eventually, as more and more people move into our little homestead area, we, mm-hmm. we separate into separate maybe townships or, or villages. And then as as controversy is created between the two townships and villages or between people within the same village, you create judges and you give a certain amount, you, you delegate again your authority to use force to protect your, your, your conscience, your property, and your life. You delegate that to government, to the police mm-hmm. power. A portion of A it. portion, and you delegate it. It's mm-hmm. still yours, but you have, you've basically voted in or elected uh, depending on depending on you know exactly how how it works in your town, to have somebody who is being given specific and limited powers to do certain things, not to go beyond that. Mm. But typically, the the challenge we have in human nature is there there are two there are two major moral defects in human beings. One is it's, it's the nature and disposition of men when they get power, they they tend to want to use it to abuse others' right to choose to think to own property and so forth. And the other problem is it's the nature and disposition of, of many human beings that they're okay with someone else having that power and using it to take care of them. Uh, you wouldn't want mm-hmm. to say control. It starts out with, I'm here to help you. I'm here. And so they, they stop delegating authority and they basically give that authority away. So you have those two competing forces. People, mm-hmm. people, some people like to run the show and others like to have the show run for them. Which is an interesting concept. It's really a lot easier to have somebody take care of me. It is, short term, potentially. Mm-hmm. But there are long, major, major long-term consequences for it. And, uh, well, it creates captivity. Very much so. Eventually. And I know there's a whole philosophy about why that is and how that, how that is created. But in the short run, it's easy. It is. And there's a lot of us who are addicted to easy. We are. Unfortunately. We are. And we that's are. why, I, if I'm following you correctly, Rule, that's why you're saying that some people fiercely guard this, this right that they have to govern their own life, really. They're, they're jealous of it. In fact, when, when we think of, uh, it, it, there's a great document that really, really uh, captures, I believe, in, in, in my limited study, of, of constitutional government, uh, the Kentucky Resolutions of 1798, mostly... Uh, written by, by Jefferson and Madison, mostly Jefferson, talks about how basically it outlines the, the separation of powers between the federal level and the state level and exactly what powers are given to the federal level and what powers are given to the state level. Mm-hmm. And he talks about being jealous, chained down 
the mm-hmm. basically the, the general government, he calls it, chain it down by a constitution. He says confidence in government everywhere is the parent of despotism. So the minute you, you show confidence mm-hmm. in government, when you give too much confidence, you stop being jealous of government, then it, is, it, it eventually turns to despotism. Washington tells us very clearly that government is fire. Now, fire is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Mm-hmm. It keeps us warm. We cook marshmallows by it. We, we can read by, by, by the firelight. As long as it's contained in a fireplace or in, a, in, a, in outdoors within a, a, a hole in the ground or mm-hmm. some type fire of a, a fire pit mm-hmm. of sorts, it's a wonderful blessing. The minute it steps out of that, out of its, its limited and protected role, guarded role, specific role, it's a very, very, very dangerous thing. And, it, and destructive. And very destructive to all of human liberty, to happiness, and so forth. So, okay. The whole context of this, and, and I heard you said, say a couple of things earlier on about just enough government versus too much. Right. And as we talk about the proper role of government, right. the thing that's really ringing loud and, and clear in my ears right now is that the government is an extension of me. It is. And they don't have, they, who is the government? Right. <laughs> the government doesn't have any right that I don't personally have. Exactly. Exactly. But when you get too much government, they start to assume or take on right. more power and authority than they should have, and then we've got a wildfire. Right. The, the, the old uh, kind of a, an analogy is, do I have the right to go to my neighbor? And, for example, my neighbor has three cars. Do I have the right to go to my neighbor and say, look, neighbor A, you have three cars. Neighbor B doesn't have a car. You need to give. No, you will give a card to neighbor B. Do I have the right to do that to someone? Well, I don't. Well, unfortunately, we believe that maybe individually I don't, but if I get enough people around me that all agree with me and we sign a petition, that I can use that force of, of the group mentality to mm-hmm. make it happen. And what you can't do as an individual, but according to natural law, you can't do as a group according to natural law. You, it doesn't make it any more it, moral it doesn't. or right. It doesn't. It, it makes it very, very dangerous. And it's very deceptive for people. Um, mm-hmm. the, the human beings, I, there's, a, there's a great little quote that uh, Jefferson, in, in one of the many letters that he wrote throughout his life, uh, thousands and thousands, a little quote that always stays with me is, uh, when the press is free and men can read, all is safe. And uh, in order to maintain an understanding of the proper role of government, first of all, you have to have avenues for people to get information that's that's that, that's that's uh, as true as possible and then you ap- absolutely have to have people that are um that are literate enough to actually read mm. got a good start on this rule we're going to take a little break and be right back raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. So I like the variety of, of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to Dr. Paul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. 
morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Okay, Rule, I'm having so much fun talking about uh, the whole government thing. This is fascinating to me, and it's an area of, of interest for me, but something I haven't really studied very much, and I realize the immense importance of this particular topic in my life and the lives of people that I love. And I want to shift gears for a minute to that, okay? Because the most important thing to me, and people who are close to me and know me, know that the very most important thing to me is my family. And I worry sometimes and I wonder, okay, what kind of a what kind of an environment are we creating for our families? And what are the consequences of some of this? But I, I know that this is an important thing for you too. Right. That you have a passion for protecting families and right. for promoting families. Right. And strengthening families. And and you have a great family yourself. We had a an opportunity last summer to get together for a social event and we had our families there and I remember I remember your daughter specifically with her beautiful angelic voice <laughs> as she was, was singing with you know we had some karaoke going on but we were playing and just having fun with our families and I could tell as I was observing you and in talking to you before too that this is a really important thing for you as well you've got uh, seven kids I do um you're teaching kids at the American Heritage School. Talk for just a minute about family and and its importance to you. Oh my, that's uh, you know I think of the the role of of parents. You talk about government. Uh, you think of the there's a, there's a great uh, article written by uh, Dr. Andrew Groft, who's a who's now the I think he's the president of George Wood College in, in Cedar City. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's dealing with the concept of a, a citizen king. It deals with the concept of a, a res publica, in Latin meaning public thing. Um, but mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at the, the word race, R-E-Z, it's very similar to the Spanish word for king, which is rey. And he mm-hmm. agrees, he believes, and I do as well, that there's this idea of a public king, meaning... As individuals, we have our we are our own public kings or citizen kings, citizen queens, and that's where self government starts. So we have our they're, they're, that, that's the most that's the base and most important level of government is mm-hmm. the individual self government, right? Mm-hmm. But then you but we're raised we're raised in families. We come into homes with a mom and a dad, mm-hmm. for the most part, moms and dads who have never done this before and are starting from scratch, and they're still in the process of becoming uh, noble public kings or citizen kings and citizen queens and i think uh it's it's an amazing it's an amazing uh mentoring experience when these babies come into these homes and moms and dads united together uh, work to inspire their children to greatness inspire them the role of the father uh, I mean, the social sciences bear testimony to this, and in, in, any, I think any reasonable human being that's watched fathers and children and mothers and children, fathers are absolutely critical to the happiness and welfare of their daughters and their sons. Um, fathers set the example. They are, they do and be exactly what they're asking their children to be. They're leading the way. Mm-hmm. And in an ideal home, and with with again partnering with their wife hand in hand, leading the way, 
in self-government, in family government, preparing these young men and women to go out and uh, practice uh, public virtue and to remain privately virtuous and make a big difference in the world. As you were introducing this family concept rule, it occurred to me that this is really the training ground. And as little children come into a family, I teach this all the time in my parenting seminars, they are helpless. They are. For the most part. They can take very little control of their own life. They can make a big noise and a big stink, and that's about it, when they first arrive on the scene. (laughs) Now, as they grow and develop, they gradually gain more and more control of their life as they become more and more mature. They do. And I wonder sometimes if this is one of the dynamics that occurs. You know, you were talking earlier about those who have have sort of a longing for someone to take care of them. Right. And we have that as children. We do. But we need it as children, too. We do. It, it, sometimes you have, you have some children that are a little bit more on the, on the side of wanting to be taken care of, whereas you have other children mm-hmm. who are very independent and at a very young age are willing to start spreading their wings and, and uh, mm-hmm. again, practice self-government. I, I've seen in families, it's a remarkable thing. Uh, you know, in a day where sometimes we... We question the intelligence and uh, or the intelligence of our youth, oftentimes in the decisions mm-hmm. they make, mm-hmm. and we question their ability to self-govern. I've seen young men and women come from homes that they are absolutely in a position to completely govern themselves, and their mm-hmm. the level of freedom. See, as children, as they're growing up, the whole goal of a parent is to help that child figure out how to govern himself and her or herself. And to make choices that will bring freedom, choices that will bring opportunity, choices that will mm-hmm. allow them to fulfill their missions in this life. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is very uh, pleasing, and it's, and it's more common than I think we realize, to find young men and women that absolutely do live that way. They are given a great deal of freedom. This is 13, 14, 15, 12, 10, 11 years old, where, mm-hmm. typically where we think they still need to be you know, watched over and taken care of. As they ex- exert themselves and they exhibit self-government, self-governmental behaviors of, of obedience and making right, right choices, proper choices, parents give them so much freedom, open up the whole mm-hmm. world to them. Mm-hmm. But then following that, you might have a son or daughter that uh, just can't handle that level of freedom, can't handle mm-hmm. that much trust, not yet at least. And it's, it's, a, it's, a constant, it's a constant balancing act as a husband and wife to try to figure out how much do we give this one versus this one? We know we can give complete freedom. They'll never do anything that's contrary to our will. Mm-hmm. But this other one, I'm not so sure about it. So it's, it's right. parenting. It's a, like you said, it's a wonderful, it's a great laboratory for learning and mm-hmm. it'll hopefully make Christians out of all of us. Right. There's a concept that I teach in my, in the context of these parenting seminars called moral development. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with how mature you are. Now, when we, a lot of times when we think about maturity, the first thing that comes to mind is age, Right. how grown up we are. Well, maturity has something to do with age, but not everything. No, you're right. There are so many other things that, that lead into that. And we all know adults who are not very mature, Right. the way that we would define it. <laughs> and it has to do with exactly what you're saying, the ability to, to make moral decisions and the reasons for which you make those moral decisions. So I break it up into three stages, and this that's not the purpose of this particular uh, podcast today, but uh, just uh, in summary, the first stage is the very immature, selfish, self-centered, uh, egotistical stage, right. where everything's about me, and I want, I want more, and I'm going to do everything that I can to get it, and I don't care if I have to violate someone else's rights to do so. Right. And then you move into stage two, which is more of a cooperative stage. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, let's work something out, let's negotiate, let's come up with a win-win. And then when you finally move to stage three, that's where you're doing things based on moral values and principles. Right. And you're doing the right things for the right reasons. Right, exactly. And you and, and age doesn't matter that much. It doesn't. In fact, one of the most exciting things, I had, I had a big discussion with my eighth graders about this very thing, because they were, they were complaining about uh, uniform uh, uniform code and, and various things that they feel are, are limiting their freedom. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, you know, and we were talking about various types of education and taking education in your own hand and being responsible for your actions and being obedient to what your parents ask. And, and they would say things like, uh, well, you know what, that's, a, that's really great, but my parents would never let me do that or they never. And I said, no, mm. let, let, me, let me share something with you. I've actually, I know personally young men and women that when their parents ask them to do something, they say, yes, mm-hmm. every single time. Or even better, oh, I already did that. Exactly. Is there anything else I could and, do to help you? And I said to them, do you realize, some of you, mis- I think you misunderstand your parents. If you were completely obedient to what your parents asked of you, if every time they requested something of you, instead of whining and complaining or giving an excuse or saying maybe sometime you were to say yes, Mom, yes, Dad, I'd be happy to do that. You would have the floodgates of freedom opened up to you faster mm-hmm. than you could possibly imagine. You'd have freedom to do about anything you wanted because they know they would know mm-hmm. intuitively you would never do anything to disobey them. And they basically they That's can right. scratch you off and say he's done, she's done. I'm ready to move on to the next one now. Okay, hopefully we can we can replicate this. Right. You know what? There is a correlation, and maybe even a direct correlation between maturity and control. Yes. And the amount of control that you enjoy in your life depends on how mature you are willing or capable of being. Right. So if you've got a six-month-old child, they're certainly not as capable as my, my son who's sitting here at the computer, right. for right. example, who's a teenager. Right. And, but at the same time, if, if Brennan over here at the computer isn't willing to demonstrate moral reasoning and moral decision-making, I, as a parent, have a natural response to that, and that is clamp down. We do. Tighten the leash. If you can't govern you know? yourself, then someone else will have to govern you, and I guess that's me. That's, that's, what, that's well, what happens to parents. There's a lineup for the control, and this is interesting <laughs> because I want to pull this back, especially as we get into our next segment, about what the heck this has to do with government. Right. I believe there's a lineup for the control in your life. And the first level of control we've already talked about is self-government, self-control. And you always, 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 regardless of your age, get first dibs on the control. Right. Always. Who's second in line? It's typically your parents. The parents, exactly. Right. exactly. And that, that is so obvious in the context of young children. It is. But then we've talked about how we delegate a portion of our authority to the state. And we've all heard all of these news stories where a young child or an infant is abandoned in a dumpster. Right. Where the parents are so addicted to drugs that they cannot take care of those children. Who's third in line for the control? Oh, the state is. The state. Exactly. And I hope that this strikes some level of fear into everyone's heart. <laughs> because who is the state anyway? Exactly. Uh, the state has both the power and the authority to take control of your life. The state is force, basically. Right. It's the gun. It is. It is. Uh, And that's an interesting concept, too. You know, what if I don't want to obey? It is. Yeah. Well, at the end of that argument is lethal force. Uh, It is. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to tie these two concepts together. We're going to talk about the government. We're going to talk about the family and what those two have to do with each other right after this. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Imagine going for a walk and seeing a cute house on the side of the road. You pull out your camera to take a picture. When you get home and look at the picture, you realize that the house remarkably resembles the letter A. You decide to start taking pictures of other objects in nature and your surroundings that resemble other letters. Then you decide to line those pictures up and start spelling things. You spell your last name with a picture of a house, a fence, and a few other odd things you found. The collage looks fascinating, so you decide to frame it. Then people start asking you to do the same for them. If this is you, your names might be Jarrah and Brad Deal from Illinois. 
Jarrah and Brad's custom keepsakes can be specially ordered to match any word you like. The idea came to them while trying to inspire their 15-month-old girl to learn her letters. They launched createsticksandstones.com, which is now taking orders for interestingly framed photo letters all around the world. So how much is this idea worth so far? How about $10.5 million in annual sales and an endorsement from Oprah Winfrey with a few minutes in front of her live audience? Congratulations to Jara and Brad Deal for spelling out a great idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. Some of you have been asking how you can get more involved with the show. And I also appreciate those of you who have offered to support the show. Now you can do both easily by purchasing a Top Spots listing. For a very small donation to the show, your link will be posted at liveonpurposeradio.com. Just go to the website and look for the Top Spots widget on the right side panel. Click at the bottom and follow the simple instructions. You will then be at the top of the list. Thanks for your support. Okay, two seemingly completely unrelated issues government and the family <laughs> oh they're very related they really oh, are my goodness yes and i'm gonna i'm just gonna jump start you and and get you to talk about that a little bit we were chatting during the break just a little bit about some of the implications and i think we'll get to some of those here in our discussion right uh i think we had a good lead in in our last segment where we talked about who owns the control or who has first dibs on the control? Self first, parents second. Right. By natural law. By natural law. Third, government. It does. And it, but even then, there's a there's a level of government that's closest to home. This is a this mm-hmm. is a township. This is a, a little house in the prairie scenario where the, all the families meet together regularly to make sure that they're in a, they're in a agreement for with the laws and the and the happenings within that town. And then of mm-hmm. course it goes up to another level of government. Now, mm-hmm. with each level, as you go up from the individual, the freedom, the, the power should be more and more limited. In other words, with the individual, it starts at a nice, think of a pyramid, mm-hmm. a large base, family, so a smaller base. Personally, then, I have power to do pretty much anything I choose to do in my life. You do. And of course, according to natural law, and I would say that, um, you know, the laws of nature and nature's God. There are, you, you've got mm-hmm. to understand what, what principles bring right. happiness, what principles bring sadness. And so there I'm, are consequences. I'm not free to just jump and fly. No, no. Because there's this thing called gravity that's exactly. going to say, oh, no, you won't. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Very gotcha. good. That's, and that's the natural law that you're talking it about. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I distracted you. You were talking about how this, this power is more broad. Right at the beginning levels, and it should become more restricted as right. it moves up. Right. But with the tendency, with ideally, if you're looking at it from a, from a, um, a, as a, re- a republic, where virtue, see, what's, what's interesting, it, it's important that human beings, Americans in particular, I, I would think because of our, the nature of our government, we need to understand that there are at least six forms of government. You've got, you've got monarchies, which is ruled by one. You've got an aristocracy ruled by the few. And you've got what's called a democracy. Aristotle called it a democracy, but another word for it is republic or a mixed government or constitutional government. Those three, if you, if you can imagine, they're on the left side. Virtue is key. For a good monarchy to survive, you've got to have a level of virtue, public and private, in the people. Public virtue meaning a disinterested uh, disposition to go out and serve the community without gaining any. You're not doing it for gain. You're doing it for the right reasons. Private virtue is being willing to have the whole world see what you do in private and not not worry about it because you're living mm-hmm. a moral life. You're following moral laws. Mm-hmm. When, when government at the monarch level ceases to be 
virtuous, it turns into tyranny. An, mm -hmm. an aristocracy turns into what's called an oligarchy. That's tyranny by the few. Republic mm. turns into what's called a democracy. It's called tyranny by the few or tyranny of the poor. And it, now that's going to raise some eyebrows, really. Oh yeah, very that. much so, very much so. Mm. But it, but the, but it, it's it helpful. It's helpful to understand this. So we go back to the, the to the pyramid idea. The individual is the base. The next level up, with a little more restricted on power, is the is the family. Then above that would be the township or or, or city that you're in, the town you're in, and then it would go up to the state and it go up to federal. So the federal government ultimately has the smallest limited amounts the amount of power over the individual but what happens over time as people whether because they they the, their family life is such where they don't study history they don't have parents that are are vigilant and jealous of government they become confident in government trusting more and more then they're basically allowing mm. that fire to get a little bit more out of the fireplace a little bit it won't hurt it, you know it's not going to hurt the rug over here let's move it over here and eventually what happens is that pyramid becomes inverted where the, 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 the freedoms of that individual are, are the, become very constricted. The family has a little bit more power then the city has more power. The state has more power. And ultimately, in our case, the federal government has the most amount of power. So it shifts mm. over time. We, we tend to, and it tends to happen in a constitutional, constitutional manner. We vote for it. Because we haven't, we typically, we're not good at studying history. Human beings aren't. We've, we, we always talk about if you don't uh -huh. study history, you're, you're doomed to repeat it. I was just thinking that we waste history on the young people sometimes. We do. I didn't appreciate it when I was oh, a kid. I didn't either. I didn't have any idea. But we, we, you know, we don't understand what communism is. We don't understand what socialism really is. We hear these words, but mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it's not being addressed specifically. And because... Human beings tend to want to just believe everything. everyone's really nice just like they are mm -hmm. and that government's really nice. Remember, government is force. And as, as parents believe that they're doing something right, as they, as they walk down the path of, of, of voting in, whether it be politicians, whether it be policies, they may not know if they aren't careful that these long, short term they might solve a problem, but long term... They're legislating, we're legislating mm. ourselves into cages, into bondage, and we don't even know it. And so things will come up on the ballot, for example, right. that, that might on the surface look like, oh, that's a great idea because right. that's what I prefer. Right. But what you're saying is that the government is force. And so what you're saying is if you vote for that, you're giving the government permission to use force that you don't even have the right to use. Exactly. To enforce something that you personally prefer. Exactly. Whereas your neighbor may not prefer that, and he or she should have the right to be free from that force. So you've taught me a new term today, and we didn't talk about it on the show, but between, when you said the freedom of conscience. Freedom of conscience. Would you tell us what that is? And what it I, I think that there's a good example right now, too, is I watch the news and all of the hubbub that surrounds the election. The presidential race, of course, is the one that seems foremost on everyone's mind, but there's some others that are catching some very uh, strong attention, right. e either nationally or regionally. Right. And uh, I think you might have some examples of that, too. But would you talk about a few of those things? You bet. Let's talk about freedom of conscience. Okay. Uh, conscience, I mean, ultimately, when someone hears of conscience, the freedom to believe as you choose, to, to choose to, uh, to um, move in a certain direction, to pursue happiness in a certain direction, to adopt a certain religious faith. Again, as long as it does not deprive anyone else of life, liberty, and, and conscience, then you should have the right to, to believe as you, as you choose. Mm -hmm. And sure. governments, that's, when, when we talk about property, the reason a person, a human being, leaves the state of nature and goes into civil society is for protection of property. But the most sacred of property... This is one of Madison's best, best phrases. The most sacred of property is conscience. It's literally, it's you. It's who you are. It's what you believe. It's what you stand for. It's your morals. It's your integrity. It's your honesty. It's your, it's your, you're living clearly at peace with yourself. It's your level of private virtue. And government, the first purpose of government is to protect, protect freedom of conscience, the most sacred of property. And right now we have a, a situation uh, many of us are aware of in, in California where the citizens in California on November 4th will be voting 
for or against what's called Proposition 8. Proposition 8 is a marriage amendment. That would be, it would be an amendment to the Constitution of California. And this amendment would say that marriage is between a man and a woman. And it's creating quite a stir, uh, in the, particularly in the Western states, but I think around mm. the country, because some, there are those that, that believe uh, that if this amendment fails and same-sex marriage is given uh, full legal status more than it is right now in the state of California, it will eventually spread to other states and there, of course, through lawsuits and such. Face states will be a for, forced to adopt this along the way, and that's that's another discussion on how that goes. But mm. ultimately, when human law, when human law binds the conscience and controls public and private devotion, that historically is a dangerous, dangerous precedent to go. When government crosses the line from protecting conscience to forcing conscience. You must accept this lifestyle. You cannot speak out against this lifestyle. You're in your church, whether you're Jewish or Muslim or Christian, you cannot speak out against it because it would be um, considered a hate crime. Mm. There, right now, people are already losing the battle when they come up against this. Uh, an example of a photographer who would not take pictures for a same-sex couple, a wedding. He was sued mm. and lost in court. Now, this is before the laws are even in place. They're already mm -hmm. winning. His conscience, his religion said, this is not a good thing. I won't do it in good conscience. The, the government, mm. so the people instituted force to say, you will do this whether you have a conscience or not. And there are multiple examples from adoption agencies to uh, uh, parents going in, in Massachusetts trying to have their, their, their kindergarten son the, the teacher sent home a book teaching about what a family is, and in it showed uh, two men in a family raising a little boy. They went to the school and said, uh, listen, this isn't appropriate. We, why didn't you tell us this was being taught? We don't have to tell you. Well, we're the mm -hmm. parents. But because this is legal in Massachusetts, we don't have to notify you. What? But our religion, sorry. If you're not happy, go somewhere else. The father decided he wanted to see how far the police power would go. And ultimately, they, they handcuffed him and put him in jail for a night because he would not leave, leave the property. And the case mm. is actually, it was actually this morning uh, on, on the Internet, they're talking about that a federal judge has ruled that parents don't have to be notified when homosexuality is being taught in Massachusetts to children as young as kindergarten. Supreme Court decided not to consider the case, so now it's basically law in Massachusetts that this, must, this can be taught openly and freely without parents even knowing about it. Again, violation mm. of conscience. Now, I want to, I, and I want to emphasize this point, because, Rule, you may or may not have your own personal feelings about homosexuality, about same-sex marriage. I think that's beside the point here. Right, for exactly. This, this is just an example of what you're saying. So uh, if you were to put those on a shelf, can you help to show how this is a violation of conscience or the, the freedom of conscience? Well, ultimately, it, it, it binds people. As I mentioned, when human law binds conscience, it binds your tongue. You can't mm -hmm. speak openly about what your religion is, even within a private organization. Uh, potentially, now again, there, there, there will be those. I hope it wouldn't go this far. But logically speaking, it could go as far as if there's a pastor at a pulpit and he's, sh he's sharing what he believes the Bible to say about this particular behavior, mm -hmm. and it isn't favorable to those who believe it is a good thing, he could potentially be sued for, for saying something that's, that's uh, considered a hate crime. Well, he's violating the law. It's violating the law. Mm -hmm. But see, the challenge is when law conflicts with conscience, that's what the founders were very, very, very much wary of. And mm -hmm. from Madison to uh, um, religious, religious leaders like Roger Williams to Jefferson, when government stops protecting conscience, the right for people to think and pray and worship as they choose, there are major consequences and problems that follow. Mm. I've got some other questions about that. Sounds great. When we come back. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, 
I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, oh, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Thank you for joining me for the Live on Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power Teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. If you want to change the path you're on, then say I need to wake up. I forgot what's important now. Wake up, cause money ain't everything. Wake up, all I do is drink all day now. Wake up, I gotta do it for my family. Wake up, I forgot what's important now. Wake up, I gotta do it for my family. Wake up, I forgot what's important now. Wake up, I gotta do it for my family. Wake up, I forgot what's important now. Wake up, I gotta do it for my that wouldn't go very far between you and me anyway, uh, because I think we see some similar principles here that are very important. And I I know that some of you listening um, may have some thoughts and ideas about what we've shared so far. And I hope this turns your brain on and gets you thinking. When these hot topics hit the ballot, I think it is really, really important to to look beyond what is my personal preference in this matter. And does this give the government too much power right. to dictate conscience right. or to force or enforce conscience? Right. Now, that can be hard to sort out because I know that there would be those who would say, well, uh, you gave the example of the California thing. If this were to pass, then that's going to restrict my conscience right. to practice my lifestyle the way that I choose to. And I know that there's a lot of arguments about that, and probably it would be good to just encourage you as a listener to find ways, especially if you live in California, and this is a particular issue that you're concerned about or that you want to make sure you vote properly on, is to get some information. Find out as much as you can about what the real issues are, and then ask yourself questions that will take you to the extent that you will know for here's an example, another example, maybe rule. We can go a different direction for a minute. If I were to see something that appeared on the ballot, and I thought, well, this is the way I prefer it to be, right? Um, and whether I'm voting yes or no for that depends on how, on the wording of the proposition, <laughs> right? But let's say that I want to vote in favor of that thing because that uh, is consistent with my chosen or preferred. Uh, way of of life or preference or whatever it is. Right. Okay. And I know that that vote is going to restrict the conscience of another person, that they are no longer free to choose how they will believe or see it or whatever. If I vote for that, I am voting to restrict my own exactly. freedom to choose. Is exactly. that is that what you're saying? This this is the big issue that I I don't think it it isn't discussed as much as it as it ought to be. When we again we talk about government being force, do we really want to have the government cross the line of putting laws into place that would restrict the conscience of 
And I think most people on either side of the issue would agree the majority of citizens in California. The challenge is whenever government is let out of the bag per se, it's a, it's a Pandora's box. And you open up opportunity to government for government to restrict conscience in other areas. So for example, let's say for I am I am I think that I have a right to live my life the way I choose and I want the government to protect that right. But like you said, potentially that right that I feel like is mine could or will constrict or restrict or bind the conscience of the majority of my neighbors. If government is given that much power, if the fire is let that much out of the fireplace, won't it burn me too eventually? Won't mm -hmm. I have my own conscience controlled or bound similar to what's happened to my neighbors? I may not see it immediately. It may, my neighbors may not see it immediately. But the minute you let government have more power than it was created to, to have, and you, mm -hmm. and you're not. In, in this case, we're not even delegating because most people, by force, are going to be ha are going to have to put aside their conscience or be careful how they speak, be careful how they worship. The minute I move to allow, particularly the majority of my neighbors and friends, or even my my enemies, to have their conscience restricted because of my vote, that will eventually come back to haunt me as well. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a serious matter. It, it it very much so is, yes. You've also taught about cycles. And yeah. I know we don't have time to really flesh that out today, right. but there have been cycles throughout history. And really this is one of the the benefits of being a scholar of history. Mm -hmm. To see those patterns and to see what happens to them. And our country is in an interesting position right now right. as it relates to cycles. Right. Is there anything you want to say about that? You know, there's a uh it's a great, and, and, there, and there's, there's some dis, disputation as to whether this was really Alexander Tytler who, who gave this, but it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's commonly held that Alexander Tytler, who was a contemporary of the founders, uh, t he talked about how great civilizations, particularly democratic civilizations, go through a certain cycle every 200 years. And the cycle is mm. this, from bondage to great spiritual faith, from great spiritual faith to courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, mm -hmm. from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from ap apathy to dependency, and from dependency back to bondage. And that seems to be, and, and the, the interesting thing is, the cycles, it's in a constitutional government that they occur. People, without knowing the consequences of their choices, for example, this case in California, if you... You, you want to be accepted. You want to, to feel like you're, you're a part of the community. You want to feel like your marriage meet, you know, matches everyone else's marriage. But in the process, you potentially violate a great number of Americans' conscience where they are forced against their will. Remember the old adage, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm -hmm. And the danger with going there is you, you eventually will, you, you threaten your own freedom. So oftentimes we, we, we vote. We vote in candidates. We vote in policies. We don't understand, and we don't understand necessarily the principles that, that should be understood because they aren't taught openly in society anymore. You really have to be a vigilant seeker of truth to find these things. And we, the cycle shows that we vote in the very bondage, that we, we go back to bondage because we voted in without knowing we're doing it. By delegating, I should say not even delegating, abdicating our personal responsibility to gain a great education, to study, to remain virtuous privately as well as publicly, and to give freely of our time to, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, to make a difference in the world and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting to me to see that those who really study and understand the issues here gain a passion. <laughs> you know, they... they it lights them on fire because they can see the relevance of it, the significance of it, and our very freedoms that we enjoy in this country have have a huge threat that's cropping up, and it's not Al Qaeda, although that you know represents its own level it of does, threat. It but does. But the biggest threat to our freedoms is our own ignorance. Very much so. And if we go out there and vote in ignorance. 
something that looks good on the surface to us could be the very thing that begins to uh, put us into bondage. Right. Wow. Okay, so what's the call to action? What would you want to encourage our listeners to do? Being being the scholar that you are and understanding the state of our of our our nation, our families. Right. What do you want to encourage people to do? Call to action. I think starts starts in the home. It's where mothers and fathers love each other, honor honor their covenants, the promises they've made at marriage. It's where the the fathers and I'm going to pick on fathers because I'm a father myself. That the fathers. Uh, love their wives, and their children know that the father loves mother. And father sets the example. He is what he expects his children to become. If he wants his children to love to learn, he has to love to learn. If he wants them to read from the best books, he has to read from the best books. He wants mm-hmm. them to enjoy mathematics, he needs to enjoy mathematics. Or at least give the mm-hmm. attempt, show them that he's trying. If he wants them to be honest and true and virtuous, he needs to be honest, true, and virtuous because they'll watch him. They'll watch his example. It starts mm-hmm. in the home. And uh, original sources, if, when parents are teaching, when students are learning, whatever educational environment you, your children are in, it's absolutely critical to make sure original source materials are there uh, to, to read, to study, that you mm-hmm. avoid. Most of history, what do they say? History is mostly gossip, rumor, and hearsay. Mm-hmm. One, one, one uh, noted uh, uh, person said, history is a bunch of lies that aren't disputed anymore. Well, you've got to go after the core of history. Find out from original source, original letters, original speeches, original journal entries, and try to piece together, pull out the principles, the principles, mm-hmm. the saving principles that, that transcend time. They're universal in their truth. They're universal in their application. You know, original sources, that is such an interesting concept, rule. Because, you know, I've read a little bit from the Founding Fathers, for example, and they might be considered original sources, but even they quote, ancient they do principles they do and they go back to to, to sources that uh, predate them exactly and so you know it, it's just an interesting concept original source right uh, but but I think it's well taken in the fact that we sometimes look to our founding fathers are a great example I think because they didn't certainly start history right they came in midstream somewhere and did some really amazing things but are at the beginning of our history as a com- as a country. Right. What were the sources that they looked to? Exactly. And go to that. that I mean, that, that's what we need to do. I, there was a great quote by Robert Hutchins. He's one of the editors of uh, the great books of Western civilization. And he said, basically, Americans have lived too long on the virtue and on the intelligence of the past. We need to become an educated people. We need to be jealous of our freedom, jealous of our right, not have confidence in government. Okay? We, have, we need to have confidence when government is in, in the proper role of government. But mm-hmm. in order for government to stay within its proper bounds, moms and dads, sons and daughters need to practice private and pr- private virtue. They need to want to be free. They need to mm-hmm. want to be accountable and not abdicate their their responsibilities to someone else or, or another entity like government. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in the position that they were when when those early pilgrims came to this world, to this land and threw off that government exactly. that was a, that was oppressing them. Exactly. Well, it's been great to have you here today. I want to give people a way to connect with you. You've shared an email address and I'll post this on our blog site as well. If any of you who are listening would like to contact Rule Haymond, uh, Truth in Classics, all one word, Truth in Classics at yahoo.com. That's an email address where they can reach you. Exactly. And you're available. I am. To consult or to speak or to uh, have discussions. Sounds great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I found you. You were willing to have a discussion with me. You know, we've barely scratched the surface of some of these things. Um, But I think that understanding the role of government, understanding the role of family, and making sure that we don't allow the government to have too much power and control so that we have that freedom of conscience, I think that's the take-home message today. Yep, it, it is. It's a wonderful message. Well, I want to encourage everybody to go live on purpose and to register to vote. 
contact Mr. Rule Heyman if you'd like to have further discussions about today's topic. And feel free to post your thoughts and comments at our blog site, liveonpurposeradio.com. It's been great to have you with us, Rule. Thank you. My pleasure. Go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>